welcome to Make Good, our new podcast about knitting and yarn and other fun makery things. We are recording at our shop, Scratch Supply Co., in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire. And it is currently November 8th. We have a brand new president-elect, and it is a pretty good day to be here and doing this. So um, speaking of that, Jessica, what are we doing here, and why are we doing this? So... I guess what are we doing here is the place to start. We are in Scratch, which is the yarn shop that we own, and we are making a podcast with the goal of deepening the connection within the fiber community between knitters and other fiber creators and makers on the other end of that. So dyers, designers, we're hoping to bring everyone together a little bit more. The year has been long. It is 2020. We are nine months into a pandemic. And that has meant, because we all love and care for each other, we are staying away from each other as best we can. That means no in-person knit nights, no in-person classes. And we are looking for ways to keep us all connected. And this podcast felt like a probable avenue for doing that. So that's what we're doing here. And, and also why we're doing it, I guess. We covered it both. <laughs> Karen, do you want to tell people who might be new to us a little bit more about Scratch? Yeah. So we opened our store in fall of 2016. When we first opened, we were operating under this idea that people who like to make one kind of thing like to make lots of kinds of things. So we had a little bit of yarn. We had about eight skeins of blue sky and then some shade card boxes that was like, this is what yarn would look like if we had it. And we also had fabric and art supplies and miniature painting and then a lot of things like needle felting and embroidery. And over time, we've really focused on the yarn and the fiber community. That's really where our hearts always were. That's the community that has supported us as a shop. Like it, it has worked very well for us. And at this point, we are fully a yarn shop. We consider ourselves exclusively a local yarn shop. And as, as we were sort of evolving in that process, we started to think about what we wanted this space to be. And we wanted it to be an inclusive space, not just in terms of who felt comfortable like coming in here and spending time. We used to joke about how we were the anti-capitalist capitalist business because you know it's one of those very few spaces where even at like a coffee shop or something, if you wanna spend all day there, the expectation is that at some point you're buying a coffee. When there's no pandemic, you really can come and just knit in here all day and, and that's fantastic, that's what we're here for. And we, we really wanted our small business to support and celebrate the other small businesses that we saw in the industry. We really think about it as you know everybody coming up together and um, providing opportunities for each other and Honestly, it's just a lot of fun <laughs> and almost zero actual hard work, I say, with quite the expression on my face. So we are going to be talking about some industry stuff. We are going to be giving you some tools and tips and all that kind of thing. And we are going to be answering some questions. We are uh, going to have a sort of advice column we have one letter that was submitted to us before today, which is amazing. We hope that you will also contribute or submit letters. There is going to be an email address in our show notes and on the website that we'll point you to later. And that is also going to be a lot of fun. So now we're going to tell you who we are. Jessica, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> she is yes. making such a face at me. <laughs> so... 
I'm Jessica, and I am, uh, if you've ever been to the shop, probably the person who is really enthusiastically sharing opinions about color and design with you. I have big opinions about everything, and one of the things I love most about running this shop is getting to meet so many fiber people and helping you figure out what you want to make and what thing is going to be amazing and perfect and inspiring for you, whether it's like comfort knitting or something that is really going to challenge you and help you grow and build skills as a maker. Um, I have been knitting for almost 20 years now. I taught myself how to knit after moving to the Midwest and not knowing anyone there. I was in grad school in Minnesota and was feeling a little isolated. And there was a woman in one of my women's studies seminars who would knit through class. And I thought it was amazing because I had never seen anyone do that in public before. I had grandmothers and great-grandmothers who crocheted but didn't come from a family of knitters. So uh Watching Stacy knit through my women in law seminar was super exciting. And I went to our local big box craft store and bought a pamphlet, not even a book, it was a pamphlet <laughs> uh, because knitting on YouTube was not a thing as far as I knew at that point. And <laughs> I still don't know how people learn to knit before YouTube. And I did learn to knit before YouTube, but it you was another, entirely mysterious to me. A whole other human <laughs> taught you. I didn't know local yarn shops existed. I didn't know diddle do about yarn, but I bought a pamphlet and some hollow aluminum straight needles and an amazing skein of boucle yarn and I knit. I figured it out. I did it poorly for a long time, but was very much self-taught and am an absolute believer in everyone's potential as a fiber person. A lot of people come into the shop and say things to us like, oh, it's beautiful in here, but I, I could never do this. I'm not that talented guess what? None of us are. This is all skill building and it's a learnable, achievable thing. So I am, I'm an enthusiastic pusher of fiber on people. I think we should all be doing this. <laughs> Karen, why don't you tell everyone about yourself? So I learned to knit when I was a kid. Um, I learned with a skein of red red heart and some plastic straight needles I could not tell the difference between my knit my right side and my wrong side so I had I had literally this one skein of red heart in my bedroom for my entire childhood I want to say I learned to knit when I was like maybe eight until I left for college this one sad bullet of red heart was in my bedroom and I would I would knit various stages of rectangle and then rip it back out and I didn't know the difference between the right side and the wrong side so I made a little masking tape flag for the end of one of my needles and when I was holding that it was the side I was supposed to be purling and when I was not holding well I mean I was, you're holding it either way when I was holding that in my right hand I knew I was supposed to be purling and when I was not holding it in my right hand I was supposed to be knitting you know, which that was not, I have to say, that was not the way to cultivate a love of the craft. Um, and then after I finished college, I was in a postback program for Latin and Greek that was just a year of translation and never actually finishing anything. You would just read like hundreds of lines of ancient Greek and then go to class and find out that you got 85% of it wrong and then go home and start over with hundreds of lines. 
I really needed to, you never handed anything in. There was never any sense of completion. And I really needed to finish something. And I was, this was in Philadelphia. And I was right around the corner from a really amazing yarn shop that I don't think is there anymore. Fairmont Fibers. Fairmont Fibers. There we go. And so I would just kind of stumble in there in my like bleary eyed, too much Latin and Greek state a member of my family was going through chemotherapy, so I was crocheting her. I would just go in and try to get the softest yarn I could find to crochet her a hat. I didn't know how to crochet a hat, so I would just start, and then I would just kind of make loops. I didn't know how to do rows, and it would end in a point, and I, then I would put it in a box and send it to her, and she never said anything to me about it, which was just about the kindest thing she could have done, and then just kind of kept knitting all the way through grad school, and here we are. So, and you got way better after that red heart. <laughs> Your skills have increased. <laughs> this is right. I'm not, I can, I can knit things that are not only rectangles now, almost all of the time. It's lovely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing when people come in and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do any of this. Literally not one single person was born knowing how to do any of this. The first infant that arrives on this planet knowing how to knit we're all going to be a little confused and that's great like it is like Jessica was just saying it is all a learnable skill so well uh, and it's a journey there are exciting things all the time there are always new techniques to learn and designers are doing amazing innovative things and the people producing your fiber or dyeing it are always coming up with new techniques and more and more beautiful things for you to be making so it's constantly exciting and it never gets old that's right I I do think in defense of my single bullet uh it was a one pounder of red heart I don't think any of the yarn that we sell in our store would have held up to 10 years of knitting and frogging and knitting and frogging and knitting and frogging so oh no that (laughs) that little rectangle that I ended on is probably still in a landfill somewhere going nowhere Uh, anyway (laughs) okay Um, so hey Jessica what are you knitting today ah I love this question (laughs) so I think this is something we're doing every week it's it's time for what are you knitting maybe we need to find fun music for this so I'm knitting a number of things right now but what I'm going to tell you about is my exciting project that I started yesterday so I'm going to take you on a little journey uh, yesterday morning, I love a little <laughs> as as most of us were yesterday morning before the numbers came from the good people of Philadelphia to let us know the fate of the nation, <laughs> I was feeling some kind of way and went to our local co-op to go grocery shopping in the morning and came across a beautiful little potted tree, an Alberta spruce, according to the <laughs> label on the bucket that it's planted in, and. I was like, hey, little Alberta spruce, you're going to come live at Scratch. And then started wildly buying every holiday-themed thing, like all of the turkey-shaped chocolates and mincemeat pie fillings and all sorts of crazy stuff when I went grocery shopping for, like, milk and two other things. So it got a little intense. And then I brought this sweet little tree to work and thought, now we need to do something with it because it's going to be inside until the ground thaws next year. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I know what to do. I'm going to knit for it. So after a little bit of browsing on Ravelry, I came across the holiday charm set from Susan B. Anderson, 
which consists of a wee sweater pattern that has some color work on it. This sweater that I knit yesterday is about, is that two inches tall? Sure. From neck to hem, it's a little tiny sweater. It's on um, Sleeve Island right now. I have one sleeve <laughs> left to finish, but it's all of nine rows over 10 stitches, so I think I can do it. There are also some little trees I can knit to put on my little tree <laughs> and tiny stockings and mittens and all of your little cold weather gear like in little super tiny miniature scale. So I'm knitting that using some Harrisville Shetland and it's coming out quite nicely. I'm excited. I think I'm going to be knitting little sweaters a lot over the next couple of months because <laughs> it feels like the thing to do. Yeah, it looks great. Exciting. I'm going to put a link to that pattern in the show notes. That'll Yay. be there. <laughs> okay, Karen, what are you knitting? Mm. Um, <laughs> I am knitting a secret project that I can't talk about because I think the person that it's for might be listening to this. And I'm also looking at my recently frogged Cinnabar shawl by Andrew Mowry, which I cast on yesterday and spent about three hours working on and then messed up in a way that I was just not really equipped to fix last night, given the high high energy nature of the day yesterday. So I just frogged it. And now I'm looking at two balls of really beautiful yarn that aren't currently doing anything but sitting there. One of the yarns that I'm using for that is our shop colorway um, from Spin Cycle called Escape Velocity. And I'm really excited. I've been sitting on these three skeins since our birthday weekend in September. And I've kind of known for a little bit that um, the Cinnabar was probably going to be what I did with them. And then when I was helping someone with her own Cinnabar a couple of weeks ago, I was really enjoying working on it. So I knew it was time to cast it on. It's going to be really squishy and nice if I can just pay attention to what in the world I am doing. The person I was helping with it was having some trouble too. And so we were working on lifelines, which I should take my own advice and use a lifeline maybe. But here Sounds we are. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> no. You can it's do fake. it. It's fake. So should we go to our first ever letter? Yes. Is it time? It's time. So in order to make this the most like simulating the shop experience as possible, what we do with these letters is Jessica doesn't get to see them first. I just spring them on her because it's like when people walk in the door and they see Jessica and her helpful face and they go, I have a problem and you don't know what it is. And in the next couple of minutes, you're going to have to figure out how to solve it. So we have, I love problem solving as an aside. I am super <laughs> excited to help people in here all of the time. So I'm ready. first email is from April and no last name and she writes dear scratch my family members all know I knit and crochet and cross stitch and on and on and many of them helpfully offer ideas of what they'd like to receive for holidays and birthdays I would do this happily for some of my family in a heartbeat the problem arises when some family members receive handmade gifts and others don't. The people who are desperate for a hand-knit version of a J. Crew sweater and who don't understand the time and effort that goes into reverse engineering a garment are often the ones who complain the loudest. 
do I eschew handmade gifts altogether? Do I buy the sweater from J. Crew and cut out the tags? Do I tell my entitled family members to deal with the gifts they got? Sorry, to deal with the gifts they get? Help. Oh, April. <laughs> First of all, thank you for writing to us. It's exciting. And wow, are you experiencing something that so many makers experience, whether you knit or crochet or sew, probably. I don't know, ceramicists have to deal with this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a problem specific to crafty making people. And it's kind of a garbage situation to be in, honestly. And I'm maybe going to give you advice that doesn't sound very nice. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> We're going to be honest. So this is what I think. You have maybe answered your question in your email for the people in your family that you would joyfully knit for I say do it if it is something that makes you happy and you feel good about giving them handmade gifts that's fantastic you should knit for them if you have your uncle Henry who you know is going to say oh wow and then shove the hat you knit him in the couch cushions never to be seen again or <laughs> is going to not treat it well or something. You know, like maybe he doesn't get a hand-knit gift from you. Other people are not entitled to your time. Other people are not entitled to your skills. These are things that are for you. And I, I firmly believe that knitting is for the knitter. <laughs> like you should feel good about what you're making. The experience of making something should be joyful or relaxing or whatever you need it to be. But if your knitting is making you furious because you feel like you're making something for someone who won't appreciate it, or you're being bullied into knitting something for someone that you don't want to knit for, that's a hard no from me. So if you've got a brother who really wants you to exactly replicate a J. Crew sweater that he saw in an ad and you like him enough to buy him a J. Crew sweater, buy him the J. Crew sweater and cut out the tag because clearly he doesn't appreciate the handmade nature of hand knit garments. Yeah, I think that you should be protective of your time and skill and gift it to people who you feel are knitworthy and deserving of it, but you shouldn't feel pressured um, or obligated to make things for other people because they know that you are capable of making things. It doesn't mean it's necessarily for them. So there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to agree on that one. People who make things in all different venues, I bet people who bake cakes get pictures of cakes from Pinterest all the time, and they're oh. like, hey... You baked a cake for that thing. Here is a, I don't know, it's like a fondant sculpture masterpiece. Can you just throw that together for Timmy's birthday party? And no, you can't throw that together for Timmy's birthday party. So, and and you shouldn't spend your time trying to throw that together for Timmy's birthday party. So I would agree with Jessica on this one. If you have somebody who is telling you that what they really want you to make is something that, that could be procured, ready-made, and they are not in a place to appreciate the handmade nature of the version that you would be able to produce for them, 
then you are not obligated to spend your precious knitting time creating something that they are not going to, they're not going to value on the same level that your time is valued. I mean, really at the core of this question is like, the sweater curse lore, right? (laughs) Right. You're not supposed to make your partner, you're not supposed to knit them a sweater because it will doom your relationship. And really, it has nothing to do with the sweater. It is not the designer of that sweater's fault. It is not the yarn that's the issue. It is your partner's crappy attitude (laughs) when they don't appreciate what you've done for them. Yeah, it's watching somebody that you care about treat something that you worked really hard on not as well as it deserves, right? If you knit a sweater for your partner and then they either don't wear it or you see it crumpled up at the back of the closet or they throw it in, God forbid, they throw it in the dryer or something. Or a pile of wet towels on the floor. Something horrible. Stuffing a dog bed. Oh, um, no. That's that's kind of just not okay. And what, what that's telling you is that this person is not in a place to receive everything you have to offer them. <laughs> yeah. So that brings us back to just no. Maybe they get a, <laughs> they get a gift card or... <laughs> Well, they've machine to- knit socks they've told you they've told you what they want they want a sweater from j crew so you can make that decision whether you want to get them a sweater from j crew but definitely cut out the tag oh yeah because they clearly don't get it no. and won't be able to identify that you didn't knit this thing so tell them you did if that makes you feel better too this that, is really about you that also i think is a time-honored tradition we have had people come in here to this store with sweaters that are so very clearly machine knit and they'll Ooh. say like oh my mom hand knit this for me and it's got a hole in it and i need to fix it and we're like your mom bought this at jc penny and has <laughs> tricked you and, and that's good for fine. your mom go <laughs> if mom. it worked go for it <laughs> And sure, we can tell you how to darn that, but also your mom was sneaky. Good for her. (laughs) I hope that was helpful, April. And I hope you spend this winter knitting excellent things for you and for the people in your family that you love and you feel like deserve the time and effort that goes into making hand knits for them. Because gift knitting can be like a beautiful, satisfying thing. This is not to say that everyone is an unknitworthy person because there are plenty of people in your life who are worthy of getting hand-knit things, but familial connection doesn't automatically make people knit-worthy. Maybe it is your beloved librarian who has lovingly wrapped books in paper and put them on a cart outside for you throughout this pandemic so you can keep supporting the library and reading things that you love. Maybe they need some fingerless gloves because you know that library is always cold and drafty. (laughs) Or, you know, any number of other people, like, who are important and valuable to you and you know would really appreciate those things. Like, knitting is a gift and it is joyful when you are doing it for the right reasons. So I strongly encourage gift knitting, just not for people who are not able to receive it in the way that they should. (laughs) There are other options for those folks. And really, you're kind of doing them a favor. Because if it is somebody who kind of doesn't know what they're looking at, but understands that you have this very significant, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not obligation. Investment. There we go. Who maybe understands that you have this really significant investment in this thing, and they don't feel that, that item is going to feel fraught to them. 
So don't put them in the position of having to come up with an excuse not to wear a cardigan or not to wear socks that they're just not going to prefer. Oh, for sure. Because everyone, whether it was handmade or not, has received a gift that you've kind of been like, oh, wow. (laughs) When you get it and not like, wow, amazing. I've always wanted this, but like, wow. But you know. So thank you everyone for joining us for our very first episode. It's Um, like a mini-sode. A little mini-sode because we need more questions. So we'll be uploading new episodes weekly on Tuesdays and keep your eye out for that. You can also take a look at our website. If you have any questions you would like us to answer for you, you can submit those to us by emailing us at dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. That email address will be in the show notes, and we're going to put it on the website, which I'll tell you about at the end of the show. Yeah, so email us. And thank you for joining us for our very first episode. We will be uploading new episodes weekly on Tuesdays, so keep your eye out for that. Um, You can also take a look at our website, makegood.scratchsupplyco.com, for more information, and we will see you next week. Happy knitting. Bye. Bye.